Welcome to the Televerse, the podcast just for TV. Because it's great, we're lucky they make so many fine programs to see. Your host, and Kate, like to debate the merits of all that they've seen. Comedy, genre, reality, drama, and anything that's in between. Welcome to the Televerse, less of the show. Hello and welcome to the Televerse. This is Kate Kalsik, joined as ever by Noel Kirkpatrick. Uh, Noel, remember, it was ages ago. When we were worried, uh, or I don't know if we were, when as a country, we were worried about our idiot president stumbling us into a nuclear war. That feels like so long ago. It does, doesn't it? No, now we're, now we're just worried about, like, white supremacists, white nationalists, yeah, Nazis, like anti-Semites. 36% of Americans supporting our white supremacist president. Or blatantly, like we are all knew, we all knew he was racist, anyways. Like if you weren't lying to yourself, but he's just right. like in case you wanted to have some denial, he was like, let's like let's just like spell it out here, right here. It's like some hey, they, we might not like the Nazis, but we like the best friends of the Nazis who were hanging out with them at the white supremacy march. It's like okay, okay, Mr. President, but if you know, no, I'm not asking how's how's it going because this week sucks. Yeah, it has. Between that and I got food poisoning. Oh God! So <laughs> the body and the spirit. <laughs> right. No, I, I've been sustained on virtually nothing but like the Ducktail season premiere and broth all week. <sighs> if you had to pick something to cure the soul, that Ducktail season we're going to talk about it, listeners. That was a good way to go because, damn, like. Well, no, it was funny because I watched the Ducktail season premiere. I'd recorded like the first airing because Disney XD aired it like all day on saturday one of my like, students and- was complaining about that they said they would <laughs> like to but then like they just kept showing the same one <laughs> yeah yeah so i watched it like immediately after waking up i was just like yes i'm gonna watch ducktales it's gonna be a good saturday mm-hmm. and so i finished ducktales and i go to check twitter i'm just like what's this stuff about happening in charlottesville and then i just turn on the news and i just go oh great okay and then i left it on the news and all the goodness from the ducktales premiere went away i'm sorry yeah no it's fine yeah yeah it's not fine but it's really 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 not fine we'll have a little bit more on that uh later in the show listeners because i talk a bit about the vice uh documentary shorts that uh was making the rounds this weekend uh but top of show here we should also mention a few other tv related things let's pivot to something slightly uh, less depressing. Uh, so Shonda is moving to Netflix and got she got poached from ABC, which, hey, Shonda, go for it. I'm, get that money. Yeah, get that get that money from that company that's $20 billion in debt or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, but she's going to... Perfect gonna, idea. She's going <laughs> to cash that check before <laughs> the, the debt comes due. Right. So. Yeah, no, that's hopefully her plan. No, this is... This is kind of crazy, um, considering that, I mean, they ABC crafted an entire thing around her shows before the new um, head of programming came in, um, and who is really clearly trying to shift ABC's focus away from that kind of soap procedure, soapy serial that has been really successful for them on Thursdays and is like wanting to transition to a more procedural-based approach, uh, which is interesting. Um but yeah, so I don't know how much room there necessarily was for her um, there as like a primary creative force. So Netflix is probably going to be like, 
feel free to do whatever you want, Shonda. <laughs> and all her shows do well on Netflix that have, like, yeah. when ABC's licensed them, they all do really well. I mean, it's how I caught up on Scandal mm -hmm. before I started watching it, so. Yeah, I think it's, it feels like something where she just could take the temperature of the room and, you know, got mm -hmm. out while, while she could you know get lots yeah. of cash and a lot of and a lot of creative control which i know is which i think we all know is very important to her based on the way that she makes her shows so uh yeah. we'll see what happens with ab like i'm not worried about shonda i'm not worried about netflix i'm very curious to see what this means for abc though yeah and there's really no telling what it means for abc i mean the fact that Grey's anatomy is like a still and has sort of had a resurgence within the past couple of years and it's in your fourth. 13 or 14 at this point it's as old as supernatural is is to yeah. like put this in television history context it's <laughs> like these are two of our longest running shows on tv with ncis right now yeah and so it'll be it'll be curious to see how they're able to sort of uh navigate this but i i really i think your point is point is right is that she's was aware that it was time to leave but i mean it's not like they're losing all their shondaland shows or that Rhymes is suddenly going to not be interested in either any of those shows that she's been involved with. So I, I think, but I think it'll be interesting to see how it shakes out though. I imagine that with her sort of departing that I wouldn't be surprised if TGIT gets reshuffled. Yeah. A I, little bit yeah. To spread out that. Um, and yeah, I'll be curious to see what happens with those since, I mean, they still own all three of those shows and scandals done after this year. But like Grey's and How to Get Away with Murder, they still own like through their programming. So yeah, I, I mean, we'll see how long they keep How to Get mm -hmm. Away with Murder, but we'll see. It'll be interesting, yeah. certainly. And it, it is crazy to think about uh, just how long Grey's and, and Supernatural have been on. They're just such fun counterpoints. Think about yeah. the sh which shows have weathered. And would we have anticipated that at the start of their first seasons? And I think maybe for Grey's, but definitely right. not for Supernatural. No, Supernatural, I, I imagine we all kind of went five, six seasons probably. And now yeah. they're just like, as long as Jared and Jensen want to keep doing it, we'll keep renewing it, is <laughs> what Petterwitz says every year. So he's just like... As long as they want to print money for us, we'll yep. do it. Yep. <laughs> um, let's move on to our next thing. We got. I didn't even hear about this. Um, there's a lawsuit over at AMC. What's what's going on? Right. So uh, this is sort of like a snowball effect of um, Frank uh, Darabont uh, had been involved in litigation against AMC over profit sharing for uh, The Walking Dead. Basically, Darabont was claiming that AMC's through its special hollywood economics which is basically <laughs> just magic yeah. um wasn't paying him what he was due um um prior to that so he was demanding like somewhere upwards of 300 million um in damages and that kind of a thing of what he felt he was owed and uh now robert kurtman gail ann hurd uh glenn mazara and david albert have all followed suit no pun intended and are also filing um, that AMC has been keeping them out of uh, licensing fees and everything that they're owed, basically. Mm -hmm. And Hollywood Reporter was predicting that this could reach up to a billion dollars worth of what they're owed, basically. And this is just kind of crazy that um, AMC is sort of... It's not crazy that AMC is doing this with their own thing, but that they're sort of that they're not like totally aware that this could 
sort of hurt the fact that their sense of creative control is always has been fairly steady since Darabont left. So this idea that they could potentially ostracize, especially Kirkman, I think, um, would be just kind of wild to me that this is something that they would do. But I, this is also nothing like new for Hollywood in terms of uh, like Fox had to settle a rather large syndication deal lawsuit with uh, some of the actors from Bones because they weren't getting what they were owed, um, allegedly. And so Fox had to settle that. But Fox is notorious for doing that. Um, they've done it before in the past. So watching this play out with AMC, especially with as show as huge as this, is kind of a big deal. So, yeah, so they haven't quite settled on what they should be getting. Um, Heard Kirkman and the rest haven't settled on what they should be getting. But it's probably going to be a lot. Yeah, well, it, it's a lot of creative accounting of what counts yeah. as profit and what, like, when do you subtract mm-hmm. stuff and because right. they're all on percentages. So, yep, that's yeah. certainly will be interesting to see where that, where that goes because the, um, you know, Walking Dead has been the golden goose for them for quite a while. <laughs> yeah, so well, I mean, it's it's like one of their few shows that they've aired and has done well that they like, it's like one of the few that AMC like outright owns, right? It's mm-hmm. like, this isn't like a Lionsgate or a Sony ownership thing, which is the case with like Mad Men and Breaking Bad is just like, they didn't own those shows. So they benefited, but they didn't like have all the good, good residual rights. Yeah. That you want. Yeah. Um, We also got a hack over at HBO yet again, a different hack. This one more benign. Um, uh, Because of course, uh, a while ago they were hacked and scripts and episodes and stuff have been getting leaked. Uh, Last two weeks, Game of Thrones has been leaked early. Um, Or actually, maybe it's two weeks ago in this week. Maybe Two weeks ago, yeah. Yeah, um, which didn't affect the viewing, according to sources. Uh, I mean, everybody's going to be watching anyways. But um, yeah. but yeah, so so now was their social media that got hit? Right, their social media got hit um, pretty hard um, this time, mostly just for mocking them for not having better cybersecurity, which is a weird thing to get mocked for. Mm. Uh, but yeah, so HBO's just not been having a, like, a really good month in terms of this particular aspect of their business. Which is, it's just a weird thing, but yeah, you think that they want something done, but maybe not. Maybe they like the press. Yeah, who knows? That's uh, entertaining, certainly. Um, let's. There's another topic, but I think I'm, I'm going to throw that in with our week in TV instead. Sure. And let's let's uh, get going on on our week in TV. There's a lot of TV this week, listeners. We've pared it down to a more manageable number to discuss. Yeah. Um, but one of those will not be the Orphan Black. Uh, series finale because Noel doesn't watch it so instead I invited back friend of the show Emma Fraser from uh, TV in my wardrobe and a bunch of other places online to talk about the the finale and the last season but the whole series runs last coming at the end of the show we missed you in that conversation Noel but you would have been just like I don't get gay Maslani right I was like, yeah is, is, is yay Maslani is all I would have been able to offer to that <laughs> but uh, I'll look forward to listening to it because um, I love Emma to death yeah. Um, so I'm sure it was a really good conversation you guys had. Yeah, I was very uh, grateful that she was, because of course she's in the UK, everyone, and right. I'm not. And so the timing can be challenging, which is why she hasn't been back more, just because it's, you know, it takes some doing to, to get someone from the UK on the, on the podcast. Uh, but it was worth it to talk Orphan Black, so that's coming at the end of the show. First up, though, we have our week in comedy, so let's listen to 
it was a, it was a different time, Noel. It was it was Sunday, and the biggest concern was that we were all going to have our face mel- faces melted off by North Korea and or uh, President Trump. Um, let's listen to a little Weird Al and come back with our weekend comedy. Such an anti-social thing to do. You've got a crapping our collective pants. May I suggest you take it down a notch or two? We're not exactly sure why you're upset. Did that Seth Rogen movie make you super mad? You'd like us if you got to know us, I bet. We're mostly harmless, decent people. Hey, we're really not so bad. My point is, please don't nuke us, North Korea. That was Weird Al. Uh, I think we still echo his sentiments, Noel. We'd rather not all die in nuclear holocaust. Um, that was from this week's episode of Last Week Tonight, which we're not going to really talk about. I don't think we have much to say about that other than it's fun to have Weird Al on your show. Um, but yeah. we, what we will talk about is the series premiere or a season premiere. I think it's just like a reboot series, right? So series premiere? Yes, yeah, series premiere of DuckTales, DuckTales, and that's woo woo <laughs> uh, with with five with five O's. In case you're curious, yeah. uh, the, and a hyphen and a hyphen in the middle there to make it a two syllable situation. Um, then Noel's going to talk a little bit about uh, the first season of Atypical on Netflix. We'll both talk some People of Earth. Always a day away. <laughs> they had to choose like Weird Al or like. The, the the karaoke it was there, there's a lot of choices in, in our music this week um but then we'll round things out with younger the gelato and the pube so first up is ducktales and i have in my notes here so delightful like capital capital s capital d this was the kind of tv we needed this week <laughs> no i'm so glad it's back I am too, and uh, I, I'm sure like we were all sort of like int- worried slash hesitant um considering whether or not we really needed a reboot even after like the voice cast was announced so that it turned out to be as good as it was i think it was really uh exciting and really still a little bit of a surprise that it had managed to capture like not only like the pleasures of the uh original series but also the pleasures from the comic books and in particular, like matching some of the art styles of the comic book, especially, which was a big treat for me. So I, I, I had a lot of fun with this and it was a real delight, like you said, to have it back in this capacity without necessarily feeling like they were over overcompensating for like a new generation, aside from, you know, Mrs. Beakley being a Kung Fu master. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, um, I will say I think uh, I like Danny Pudi much more as a voice actor. 
yeah than right? an on-screen presence because he's terrific here and i thought the mm-hmm. stuff they gave him and kate mccucci to do together particularly was really strong um and i was just thinking back to how much i really didn't like him on the guest book um <laughs> just a few weeks ago and I, I just think this suits him really well um the the material they're giving him but also just the the levels that he's playing this at and maybe he if, if he were doing a character like this live action he would have toned things differently or you know to, to yeah. suit that but he's just he's really well uh he's approaching the material at a really uh appropriate level for for this like the the energy and the the levels of sarcasm and everything it, it plays really nicely with the anim- animation and I, I gotta say i'm loving tenet he's he's having so much fun he is he's having a lot of fun and i i mean truth be told tenant was the one i was sort of like if the iffiest about yeah. in terms of how how he was going to play this and how he was going to engage being scrooge mcduck and but i pretty quickly i was just like nope no this is good this is good i'm really i'm liking how he's able to get across being frustrated and angry but also being sort of despondent as well like we find scrooge in a very unhappy place initially and i i appreciated the not so subtle joke of his two his three corporate board members all three being vultures <laughs> um so so him like in this kind of late mid-stage life crisis and tenant really sells it and really gets it across really really nicely yeah the um the pacing of it i thought was terrific it's just like blew by i was like wait it's already mm-hmm. been like 10 minutes 20 minutes like it's like wait how much more like when they because i because of course it was a double episode so uh you know long twice as long as you would normally expect but like i kept waiting for i was like oh, are we at the end or do we have like another half hour to go i can't tell because i'm having so much fun <laughs> watching this i just it seemed i thought like, oh it has only been five minutes but they've been really uh really succinct and really um efficient with their scenes they've given them just enough information and just enough character and made sure there was enough energy and and adventure in them without stretching it out too long and yeah I, I, the pacing of it was the other big um highlight for me i guess yeah and i think the pacing is a really good point to bring up because one of the things i was sort of worried about was whether or not this was going to be sort of a more gag centric show than necessarily sort of a fun adventure sort of romp with jokes scattered out. And I was really pleased that it ended up being the, it, that it ended up being that adventure show with the jokes scattered out. So we got everything from going to Atlantis in the very first like episode, which is great. And then having to solve a puzzle in Atlantis, but then also getting something like Glomgold's employee orientation video. And just just the delight and the thought and care that was put into this in terms of just updating things, but making it feel really comfortable and also respecting an audience's attention span, like just enough to do jokes, which I really appreciated as well. So, no, it was all it was all really, really good. And I I, I need more. And I hate that we're not getting any more for like another month. <laughs> uh, as a terrible. fellow person who cannot lie to their family and like never did growing up Uh like never snuck out of the house no like they're gonna find out anyways like i think i lied to my parents about like uh, something i was doing with my friends for like three hours and then i just called them and told them because it was too stressful and it was making me too anxious and i was so angry that my that my air quotes friends had tried to get me to lie to my family you know like Mm -hmm. like i was so identifying with all the webby stuff it was wonderful (laughs) 
<laughs> all her terrible eyes. Yeah. Just don't <laughs> just don't do it. Yeah, I'm I've really yeah, I've got a thing with uh with lying and and with honesty and uh so I appreciated that subplot quite. And just to, like just the disgust like you're terrible at this. Wow, you're really really bad at this. Um I'm also just impressed that they got signal that far under the ocean. That's that, true. That 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 was my thing. I was just like that's a terrific phone and cell service I'll, in uh duckburg is amazing <laughs> um so did you did you appreciate the fact that they're that they mentioned like uh crepe suzette and uh saint canard no i don't no. know the show that well i'm like oh the original. but no so, uh, but crepe suzette is from tailspin uh-huh and saint canard is the city from darkwing duck See, I enjoyed Were them you not a di- very oh. much when I watched them, but I didn't have cable. They up. weren't on cable. Wait, were, what were they on? I remember watching them. Were they on like syndicated? Yeah, they were first run syndicated programs, so they would have okay. been on like broad. They would have almost certainly been on a broadcast network. So I think they were on Channel Twenty Six, the U in the Chicago land area. And listeners, okay. you can let me know. Um, so because I definitely remember watching them, I very much enjoyed yeah. them, and like I think. I think because of when it aired, I saw more Tailspin than Darkwing Duck, but I always sure. really enjoy, especially with all the noir adventure stuff. I really enjoyed yeah. that. Um, but no, I it's been forever since I watched them, so clearly we're gonna have to do a DVD shelf so I can <laughs> refresh myself with some Darkwing Duck. But I mean, obviously, I got the canard pun, but uh, yeah. that that was about about <laughs> it. I was like, oh, they're being clever about ducks, not yeah. Well. <laughs> They're always being clever about docs. Yeah. So I take it you did then enjoy those. <laughs> yeah, I did enjoy those. And I also found out that like I, I missed this announcement from Comic-Con, but Darkwing Duck will be on DuckTales. Ah, And excellent. I'm very excited about that as well. <laughs> I think you mean excellent. Excellent. Um, yes. Yeah, since we're talking about ducks. Indeed. Indeed. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, any final thoughts? No. No. I think I'm okay. I'm, I'm Just... excited to see where they go next. And uh, is there a particular like Ducktales villain you're looking forward to like seeing about? Like I said, I just remember liking you don't, the show, remember, but I right, don't okay. remember the specifics of, of okay. it, other than it was good. That's okay. as much as I remember. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, animations a blind spot for me, even the ones I've already seen. Uh, okay, obviously we're very much looking forward to more Ducktales. What about right. atypical? Are they, this is like a dramedy kind of thing. We weren't sure comedy or drama where to put it um, in our weekend TV. Should I check this one out, or should I just wait for more Ducktales? Um, I don't. I, I I only watched like two and a half, maybe three full episodes of this, uh, which isn't sort of a statement against the show or anything. Just where like my time priorities sort of were this week. Um, so Atypical deals with um Sam Gardner, who is a teen, uh, late teen. He's like a senior in high school who's on the autism spectrum and he through his therapy with um and he decides he wants to like start sort of going out on his own in a lot of ways particularly dating and so a lot of the show is centered about him sort of navigating that but also there's a number of other things happening with his family which has Jennifer Jason Lee and Michael Rappaport and how they're sort of navigating him coming of age, but also like their mayor, uh, Lee and Rappaport's character's marriage is sort of on like not the best of grounds. Um, so it's very much sort of a dramedy in that regard, in that you've got a lot of sort of hijinks of him 
uh, Sam sort of navigating romance and concepts of romance, but also the more serious aspects of how he responds to that and how his family's responding to that, as well as stuff going on with his sister um, and her burgeoning romance uh, with someone else. And so there's, it's all very family drama, family comedy centric. Uh, and it's perfectly fine. Like it's very low key um, and parts of it are kind of funny, but um, I can't think of a particular instance where I just went, that's really funny. Um which is a problem, I think. But at the same time, it's... I don't think it's aiming for, like, really big laughs either, though. Um, so I, I think it might be worth checking out at some point, though I, it's not a huge priority, I think. And I think I'll probably, like, circle back to it at some point um, just to finish it out because this is a eight-episode, half-hour type of thing. Um, so I almost got halfway through it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, so it's, it's fine. It's, it's also just like people navigating Sam's own like responses to the world as well. And so, yeah, I I can't speak to like necessarily the degree of authenticity that, um, Keel Gilchrist, who plays Sam is necessarily putting forward. Um, but I like that they identify his characters being on the spectrum as opposed to not identifying him but giving him the traits of someone that's on the spectrum without necessarily identifying it uh but without like a direct um like firsthand experience um especially with someone who's probably as high functioning as sam is or at least closer to the high functioning spectrum than what i've necessarily been exposed to that uh i can't speak to the authenticity of it but it's still good. Um, like the weakest link apart from like Jennifer Jason Lee, who I feel like is sort of weirdly miscast and is doing some sort of vague Holly Hunter esque thing, which just makes me want Holly Hunter on the show instead. Um, is, uh, Sam's best friend is, um, a very broad, um, sex obsessed teen that feels like he's sort of a refugee from an American pie movie. And it feels really out of place with the rest of the show. So I'm not quite sure if they just went, oh, we need a comedic, we need just a solid comedic relief character. Uh, but he's not funny. And it, it feels very dated. Um, so that is by far and away the weakest link of the show. Um, he's just super broad. He, to give you, like, Sam's trying to talk to a customer that he has been sort of, like, flirting with a little bit. And to encourage Sam, he's, like, humping a washing machine that's being sold in their Best best Buy-esque store that they work in. And okay. Kate's making a face. Yes, Kate's making the proper face where you just go, this doesn't make any sense. It, it does from a teen boy who's obsessed with sex but has clearly never had sex sort of thing. But it's not funny because it's been done to death. Um, And it's also just, it's not funny even regardless of not being done to death. But it's just, it's not interesting by any stretch of the imagination. The show doesn't really push the idea that this isn't funny or appropriate or anything along those lines. So, yeah. So, yeah, two and a half episodes. I can't, like, again, I feel more confident saying more if I'd watched more. But it's okay for what it what i managed to watch okay yeah yeah fair enough fair <laughs> enough that 
I gotta say, there's not much that's making me want to storm out and check that out, but that seems to fit with your response, so fair yeah. enough. Yeah. <laughs> um, what about People of Earth, Always a Day Away? Are we still feeling like season two of People of Earth is a dip, or is it starting to, to catch steam for you? Uh, I, I still feel like they're in like a process of like setting things up in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. and that we're we're needing to set up like getting get like getting all the things in place for us to sort of like plot run which is a really weird thing for the show to be doing in a lot of ways i feel like even if i sort of enjoyed like the karaoke stuff um in particular i thought was pretty strong overall or their way of communicating through the birthday card i liked but yeah it just feels like they're still like trying to put things in place for plot story even like having kurt Mm-hmm. be alive i'm just like what what exactly are we doing and like obviously some sort of build-up is happening with eric and the cube mm-hmm. and so there's still like stuff coming and i'm waiting for the stuff to like start happening and it's sort of a weird place to be in with a show that i really really enjoyed in the first season but now i i feel like they've sort of drifted away from character yeah. which was like the backbone of the show in the first season and have just like gone really deep into like plot land and it's really weird for them to go deep into plot land when you have all these really good actors and but not giving them a whole lot to play really aside from i really need to go talk to this guy i've been trying to talk to this guy for three episodes now but i really need to go talk to this guy and that's what we've been doing for like three episodes so it's been sort of frustrating for me um anyway how are you feeling about it i yeah i hear what you're saying i thought i thought this one was a little better though uh because mm-hmm. now that we are actively moving towards things now that jerry's back and um i thought the stuff with um nasim Badrad's character with the agent was good i liked yeah. all the, the orphan jokes um <laughs> the you know the pop culture orphans i don't I- need to talk to anyone neither did batman <laughs> <laughs> um i liked uh oh poor don i i ship it do you ship it yeah no, not really. No, I feel bad for poor Don. Okay, yeah. um, though I, I, I don't. I, was... I don't feel bad for Don considering he led a woman all the way to Iceland. Yeah, uh, yeah, and then lied about a dying mother. He's not from this country. Um, <laughs> yeah, but uh, I think the the actor is does a sufficient job with his uselessness. Um, sure, and and it not being malicious that yeah. gets away with that. Um, and also, I, I was disappointed that they went the route they did. I was so excited. It's like, oh, I'm your alien. That's what's coming with that. Oh, that's going to be really interesting. And then they undid it. Yeah. <sighs> Which I thought was disappointing. So maybe they will undo it in, they will redo it at some point this season which would be nice and because that'd be something new to do but i like this idea of don now trying to going to uh to an aa meeting and um that this pushing him in a new direction which i think is interesting i like the surprise with kurt and then we thought that there was this whole like intense thing with kurt and jeff no it was all in jeff's head uh which is a fun twist to take that so we'll see what happens next um i'm very nervous about jerry you know getting brainwashed or controlled or whatever um and i i love was it is it nancy what's the character that has the secret past from the 70s that's been getting mentioned every now and again i think that's nancy yeah 
Yeah, I've been really enjoying that. It's like, that's since we broke what's-his-name-out-of-prison, which was this uh, famous figure who uh, was arrested for doing experiments. I think it was, like, with weed or with LSD. LSD. LSD, yeah. yeah. Um, so it's, it's, I like these details that they're throwing in more. I do agree that it's still too focused on plot, way too focused on plot, and not nearly enough on character. But um, I thought this one was a step up, at least. It was move, it's, I feel like we're moving in the right direction now, whereas before... I didn't feel like we were moving. Yeah, and we're definitely moving, but I, I, it feels weird to me that like I feel like I don't really know what's going on like with White's next character, really. Yeah, and that's really I understand this is an ensemble show, but he was still sort of the core of the show in the first season. Now, I don't feel like there's a core even beyond the idea of it being an ensemble. Doesn't even feel like a core concept for the show anymore. Yeah, and that's that's really frustrating. It was his story, and he's now he's a non-entity on the yeah. show, which is disappointing, definitely. Um, okay, what about Younger? We were so excited. We were so enthused about Younger a few weeks ago, but the episode was fine. Um, yeah. I liked getting Mag- some, some Maggie justice at the end was nice, um, but I'm not excited about the this wheel spinning they're doing with this Liza Charles stuff because we all know... As soon as he says, I'm definitely, we're, we're still good. I'm not going back to my wife. It's like, you're going back to your wife. That's because otherwise they'd play it the other way. So yeah. as soon as you say you're, you're still staying broken up, we know for sure the finale is going to be you going back with your wife. So yeah, uh, I'm a little disappointed with that stuff. And we've gotten a lot of Maggie justice. Like she mm-hmm. ruined uh, Montana slash Ashley. What was her name? Was it Ashley? Amy. Amy, Amy, Montana slash Amy, um, her appropriate, her appropriation, uh-huh. um, artwork. Um, so we got that, but then we got the thing with the uh, chickens, which I really enjoyed. Also, just like five hundred dollars? No, no, no. You don't get invited to a restaurant and go. Here's the check. That's not how that works. No. Um. So I, yeah, no, I enjoyed Maggie um, getting some revenge, but I also, uh, but I totally agree with you uh, regarding all the Charles stuff. And also just the fact that they, um, like, it's telegraphed. Like, as much as Charles wants to say it, it's just like, Charles, you lost track of time talking to your wife. Mm-hmm. It's very clear to see something is happening here. <laughs> yeah. Well, and like, he's the guy we're supposed to like. Yeah. Which means they are going to want us to like, like, when he play, when he set, decides to give his marriage another chance, it's going to be a another reason to like him you know right. that's how that this is gonna go um how are you feeling about josh is any forward progress with that or are you still like i don't get why he's on the show i don't get why he's on the shows and like i i, I still don't it's just yeah. like oh look he's obviously got cute flirty chemistry with this bartender mm. i don't care mm. <laughs> fair enough okay yeah i'm struggling to care i really am that's i want it. to but yeah it's not happening okay uh well what wins your week in comedy um, I mean, it's really close. It's not, not even close, right? Yeah, no, it's DuckTales. It's DuckTales. <laughs> Definitely. Like, Rick and Morty was terrific. And, yeah. you know, Insecure was very good. Uh, yeah. I had a lot of fun with Insecure. Uh, I'd never heard of, uh, was it Kiss and Grind? I did no idea what that was. I had to do some Googling. The party yeah. that they're at, yeah. Um, but uh, but DuckTales, it was delightful. It was lovely. Okay. Yeah. Um, now we'll take a break and come back with our week in reality, genre, and drama. The sun will come out. Tomorrow, bet your bottom dollar that tomorrow there'll be sun. 
just thinking about tomorrow. Cover me. Clears away the cobwebs <clears throat> and the sorrow. <clears throat> stuck without a day that's gray and lonely. I just stick out my chin and grin and say the sun will come out tomorrow 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 i love you tomorrow you're only a day i just couldn't not use it. That was Nassim Padrad singing Tomorrow on People of Earth. I mean, I was gonna use one of the songs from the Claus finale, but like, it was so good. I had to include it. Um, this week in reality genre and drama, I'm gonna kick things off with a little talk about the Vice documentary Char- uh, Charlottesville Race and Terror. Then we'll talk uh, Defender Season 1 Winona Earp, I See a Darkness The Bull Type, Three Girls in the Tub, and we'll round things out with the finale of Season 1 of Claws Avalanche. Um, so first up, I wanted to mention the like it's like 22 minutes or something documentary short film that was going around this weekend um, from some of the the journalists and documentarians that uh, are at Vice News tonight. One of the, their journalists was embedded with the unite the right organizers and the, the Nazis basically. Oh, okay. And uh, so there's, um, there's footage, there's great, terrific footage from the, the protests, from the, the torch vigil, uh, the, the torch, um, they called it a torch walk. Sure. The angry mob with fire. Um, the cheeky, cheeky torches is disavowed. Yeah, yeah. Um, they have uh, one-on-one interviews with white supremacists. They have um, some footage of the counter-protesters. They have, you know, obviously they have footage of the car um, and the immediate re- reaction um, of the people who were right there, who were hit by the car, dove out of the way of the car. Um, it is really well-made. It is really sober journalism. The the interviewer, like, I don't know how she did it. I don't know how she maintained uh, a dis like that distance that you need to ask these mm-hmm. questions, um, and so so that you can actually get answers in a way that will allow you to like let these people talk, which it seems so important, especially after the president's comments all weekend and um, and this week. It's so important to let these people speak for themselves uh, as if their actions didn't speak loudly enough. So I highly, highly, highly recommend it. Uh, listeners, uh, seek it out. It's 22 minutes, 23 minutes. Um, Vice has made it available to anyone. You don't have to have HBO to watch it. Um, and any time, if you're talking with anyone who tries to pull the many sides argument or the their violent um, uh, Antifa, Antifa, I don't know how it's pronounced, Neither um, do I. The, 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 if anybody tries to pull, quote, alt-left and says that violence was, any violence was justified on the white supremacist half, point them to this documentary and let them listen to these people talk for themselves and speak for themselves. Because you cannot watch this documentary and listen to these people talk and still hold that opinion if you have anything approaching a mind or anything approaching a heart. Um, so, highly, highly recommended 
very worthwhile. It was like, I was not looking forward to watching it, but it was, I, I was again, very impressed because it, it was very powerful. It was very moving. It was very upsetting, but it was precisely that because it was comparatively dispassionate. It didn't mm-hmm. try to tell you what to think and didn't try to tell you what to feel because it's, it doesn't need to, um, these, the, yeah, so so check it out. Um, do you now have you heard about this? This there's been a hullabaloo today about the the weekend update thing, the Tina Fey response to Charlottesville and everything is, with the sheet caking. I heard about the sheet caking, um, but I didn't like look into it. I was kind of busy catching up on not having worked yesterday. Yeah, um, of course. So I didn't uh, I didn't follow up on any of this. So tell me about what happened here with this because I'm not entirely sure. Well, it's basically exactly what you'd imagine um, when you hear it described. So it's just, they're doing their weekend update and she comes on to talk about her response and, and how you, how how she's been coping with it. And basically this idea of just like eating your feelings and screaming all your anger into the cake. Cause you can't, this idea of like, there's nothing you can do. We can do to make the president, you know, not have supported white supremacy, um, that kind of a thing. So like, it's very understandable and relatable, but it's also very privileged and very bullshit. And the response is not to this stuff is to not stay inside and eat your feelings. You can do plenty of that as long as you also call your representatives and you also go volunteer to register people to vote and you get involved and you, you know, yell back at the Nazis. Um, I know the different people have different responses to these other marches that have been springing up um, that are that are going to be happening. There's a bunch this weekend. There's several planned for like the next couple months. Um, and what Faye says in this segment is like, just she hopes that nobody shows up and that they can go yell to themselves and there's and just be ignored and to show them how little power they have, which I understand that instinct, but we don't get to do that, Tina Fey. Yeah. <laughs> um, we it's too important an issue. And there's also some jokes in there that are funny, but that speak to like, oh, go try this in New York and the, the drag queens are just going to beat you up. And it's like, OK, but. That's funny, yay, huh? They would hate getting to get beat up by drag queens more than they would hate to get beat up by other people. But it's also saying that I just expect the drag queens will do the work for me so I don't have to, so I can just stay inside and eat a cake because they got this. And that's some bullshit right there. So um, I think the different it's both better or not as bad as and worse than probably you would expect just based on the description. But I, my strongest response to this is who who thinks Tina Fey is the person we go to for takes on racial issues. Like you've seen her work, correct? Why right, <laughs> would you yeah. think Tina Fey is the person to speak thoughtfully and really co- like with a really, with a lot of experience and perspective on this topic, I mean, she's proven herself quite, uh, let's say, uh, defensive and, uh, privileged and not super open to, other opinions about it so i i'm not surprised yeah i i based on your description i'm not either um i may circle around and uh look at this after we're done recording um though my larger question is why are you getting a sheet cake i understand that some sheet cakes can be delicious yeah but there are better cake options out there (laughs) (laughs) yeah if you're gonna eat all those calories it might as well taste really good right i mean there are ice cream cakes tina let's be real here (laughs) um 
It might but, be about like some level of self-loathing and hate that you're doing this to yourself, but yeah, still. but yeah, uh, that's that's like my first response. My second response is everything that you've just said is like there's not really there's a great degree of privilege there for that in terms of her response, and also the idea that this isn't a long-term solution to this issue is like staying indoors is not the long-term solution to this. Um, it's going out, it's being active in your community, as you, you said, and it's, it's, it's speaking up and out mm-hmm. and you can totally have a day in which you just eat a sheet cake and scream your feelings. I think we've all had multiple yeah. versions of those days already. The listeners listen to our podcast after the election. They know. <laughs> yeah, they know. And I mean, other in other instances, it's not a sheet cake. It's just that magnum bottle of wine that you were sharing for that party. Mm-hmm. That you've actually finished yourself. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that's there's a degree of mental health involved in this, but there's also a not wanting to ignore as well. Yeah. So I think that's really significant. And um, your point about the drag queens is also well taken, but also it reminds me of, gosh, I think it was Myers who did a closer look and or in the monologue and was just like, oh, you guys aren't going to go and protest all those statues being taken down in Baltimore, huh? Uh huh. <laughs> See how that is. Yeah. Um, and but without the expectation that the drag queens or the community of Baltimore is going to take care of that issue. It's just like they're afraid to go to Baltimore is the implication. So it's a different sort of power structure within the joke, um, even if the implication is sort of the same. Yeah. Well, and just the idea of the community of Baltimore coming out. Yeah. Meaning the entire community, which means it's a more diverse community. Right. There are more people of color. But there's also a lot more white people who know people of color, who are lived with that community and have, you know, are are more aware of some of the issues, hopefully. Hopefully, I'm more yeah. aware of some of the issues that surround it. Um, yeah, it, it did kind of want to be like, Tina, did you you should watch this documentary that Vice was shooting the mm-hmm. weekend? Like after maybe you kind of want to be like, this is you should watch this because this is this is what we need to do. And the, an- the answer is not stay at home and eat sheet cake. Like wallow, eat your sheet cake, and then put on your big girl shoes and go outside. Right, <laughs> and make march some calls. Our, march off the the sheet cake. Mm-hmm. Is really it's terrific. Important. It's a gr- it's a good way to do it, you know. Um, I, th- I think there's probably a lot of us um, on the the left or the le- at least the left of where we horrifically find our center to be right now, who put on a plenty of 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 uh, self uh, self help and um, mental health cake like weight since the election. I think maybe now it's time to transition to the 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 raising signs and marching and and uh, some cardio to go with that. Yeah. My liver is super corroded at this point, but on the <laughs> upside, like I can hydrate while I walk. There you go. There you go. But also I can drink while I walk too. Yeah. They're bad. <laughs> there you go. It's just, you know, maybe you have a couple different water bottles. Maybe you switch yeah. back and forth. Okay. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of, you know, interesting beverage choices, let's go over to the Defenders season one. Um, now, obviously, I, I, of course, speaking to Jessica's, <laughs> there's some nice moments with her drinking in the season. She's like, yeah, I'm a functional alcoholic. We're just going to, we're not dealing with that this season though. So we're just going to move on from it. Um, now I've seen everything you've, you've okay. still only seen the first part of I've Iron Fist, five. right? But you've yeah. seen the rest yeah. of it. And then for this one, you've seen how much? Five and three fourths of an episode. So I almost finished the sixth episode before we started recording. 
Okay. Um, yeah. So I will not mention anything from the end. I think we should just keep it vague. I mean, it only came out today as we're yeah. recording, yeah. so a lot of people want to have a chance to see it. Yeah, we can dig in a little bit more. Yeah. Um, next week. Yeah. Um, I would just say uh, seriously underwhelmed. Really bad dialogue a lot of the time. And the, the way I got through all of it, besides just having other work to do, um, was that the the scenes with Jessica and with Luke are just much better than the scenes, certainly the scenes with um, Danny, but also even just the stuff with Daredevil because he's so bogged down with the hand myth- mythos and the hand is just really bad. Uh, it's not very well thought out. It's all, and, and there's also a lot of choices of location that perhaps speak to budgeting that just everything is impossible to see. It's too dark. The motivations of the, the leaders and what they're going, they try to save it to be this big reveal at the end, but then they spend two seconds on what the whole plan has been this time through the whole season. And it doesn't really doesn't land. Um, it's, it, there's a lot of problems here and I will say, I don't think it's over, way too long, which is a nice change of pace for them for Marvel uh, Netflix series. But I do think um, it's nowhere near as fun as it should be. And, they need to just just don't have just don't never have Danny be angry. Just never have him be incensed or angry or intense because he's not. Finn Jones is, Finn just, Jones is not is not that. good at that. He can do the quippy fun like when they're in. There's a scene in a, in a Chinese restaurant. And they're like ordering food. Like he's good with that. He can do the lighthearted banter. He's fine with that. Just leave it at that level, and the show would be so much better off. Um, am I being too harsh? No, I mean, based on the first, like, we'll just round up and say six episodes I've seen is that I don't think you're being harsh at all. Uh, A lot of this for me was uh, mostly annoyed by the fact that I was spending almost six episodes and they're sort of just having the same conversation over and over again of we need to do this, but no, we need to do this. And then we're going to fight about it, which is kind of par for the course for a Marvel team up. Mm hmm. But there's there's not enough like um, there's not enough visual dynamicness to these four people that you can keep that interesting to the point where, oh, okay we're just going to watch Luke beat punch someone, then go fly across the room and then cool martial arts. And you can't keep doing that. There's no there's no variety in any of that. So by the time that they're fighting in the abandoned theater that's been used for practically every show at this point, I think <laughs> um, that it, it was definitely the Cottonmouth Club. Mm-hmm. Um, it was definitely the club in Jessica Jones where Luke and Jessica fought. Mm-hmm. And then I'm pretty sure it was in Daredevil season two, but I don't remember... But I feel like it was because they've used it like 80 times. None of us um, remember Daredevil season two. That is the correct response, by the way. Right. So just watching all that play out, there's not a lot of like visual excitement to the like their powers are all the same powers. Mm-hmm. So they don't there's there's nothing different. So it just gets same old, same old very quickly. Um, as for the writing, you're this even goes beyond like the fact that I feel like they're sort of like conversationally running in circles, especially Danny, who's just like, you guys don't understand me. Mm-hmm. I know all about the hand. Okay. Listen to me. Listen to the rich white guy. Okay. I know this <laughs> stuff. I'm the chosen one. Okay. Why won't you listen to me? Yeah. Um, is a lot of, but it's much more to the point. It's just like, Sigourney Weaver can't make this stuff work. Right? It's like, oh <laughs> it's man, Sigourney like, Weaver, I am sorry for what they yeah. gave you. 
it's just like I was super pumped when they had announced her. I was just like, oh, shit's going to get real, real fast because it's Sigourney Weaver. You don't mess around with Sigourney Weaver. And then they're just like, oh, oh, she's just sad that she's going to die. And they're not writing any real depth to this character at all. And mm-hmm. she's struggling. You can see her struggling sometimes. And it's just like, I feel really bad for Sigourney Weaver. Yeah. They, they literally, getting... like, the exposition they give these, because there's so many different shows. There's Each of mm-hmm. them have their own show. They don't know if other people have watched them. And so they mm-hmm. each have their set of side characters that if you only watched Jessica Jones, you don't know who these other people are. If you only watched yeah. Daredevil, you don't So when they had, you know, Jessica's, uh, I guess, secretary or whatever her friend malcolm yeah malcolm go i'm i was a heroin addict i know what yeah. you know like it's like he would never say that he would never like she knows he knows it was a very painful thing that happened to him that he was mind controlled to do and destroyed his entire life so he would never talk about it's like this is a horrible dialogue Noel, i don't know if you've gotten to it yet but not only once but twice Spoiler alert, listeners, I guess. They say that we're not so different, you and I think, twice in the same season. You don't get to do that twice. (laughs) You shouldn't do it once. (laughs) Two different characters. Like, come on. No, I I can't think of... Yeah, I don't know that it's happened. I think it has, and I just wasn't, like, paying super close attention. Yeah, you've seen one of them. You, I don't think yeah. you've seen the second one yet. Okay. But I, I totally believe you, and yeah, you don't get to do that once seriously, let alone twice seriously. Yeah. So, it's just, yeah. it's just, it should be much better than it is. Um, yeah. Yeah. But there are still stuff, you know, scenes here and there that are fun. It does build, and by the second half of the season, it's more interesting and engaging than the first half of the season. It starts out way too disparate. Um, they bend over backwards to keep the characters separated long enough, I guess, but that, that really makes the first couple episodes very slow. Um, binge it. Don't try to do a day at a time, because, like, yeah. it, I feel like just rip the band-aid off. If you're going to watch this, just set aside a day or two days and watch four and four or something like that. Do you recommend this to other people? Uh, I, 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 based on what I've seen, I can't really like hardly recommend it. Uh, if you're in like completist mode, then sure. But I also didn't finish Iron Fist. So Mm -hmm. I was super confused about who one of these guys was because I don't remember him at all from those four episodes of Iron (laughs) Fist I watched. I just went, I don't remember you from those four episodes. We were still in business tycoon land when I stopped watching Iron Fist. So I'm assuming that guy showed up later. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just kind of went, oh, I don't yeah. know who this is. I don't know why everyone's kind of upset, um, but I also don't care. There's, <laughs> there that, is that. Yeah. That means having to watch Iron Fist and I'm not doing that to myself. Unlike some people on this podcast. That's that's very true. That is very fair. Um, I will say uh, I was very surprised to go to Netflix this morning and have to search for the Defenders because it wasn't at the top of the screen. Like, they had, you should yeah. watch Iron Fist. I was like, I already watched it. It was terrible. I'm not yeah. going to watch that again. They're like, then you should watch Daredevil. I'm like, sex season was terrible. Not terrible, but just not good. Um, yeah. No. I am looking for the Defenders, though. You're going to make me search for it? That's a this little weird. Your- it's very weird. This is like yeah. your big show today. Anyways, I thought that was strange. So, and I've not, I've heard from a few other people that had that same experience. I've not actually heard of anyone who it was promoted big for them on the, when they went to Netflix today to, to seek it out. So that's, I wonder if that is a universal thing or just the, the it, 
quirks of, you know. It's the quirks of their algorithm. Like, they were very much, hey, you want to watch The Defenders, don't you, Noel? Oh, okay. And I just went, I, 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 I kind of want to. I don't really want to. You guys were pitching me one, one million yen women earlier that I kind of <laughs> wanted to watch. Um, but I, I guess I can watch The Defenders instead because one million yen women subtitled. So I can't really watch that uh, yeah. right now. But all right. Yeah, Defenders is fine, I guess. You, Quick. I want to have watched it. Right. More is, than I want I th- to watch it. Yeah. And also, I just wanted Jessica Jones back in my computer screen, I think is what it boiled down to. <laughs> and Lou, too. It's funny because the scenes with them are more interestingly shot. They have better dialogue. They have better lighting. Like, it is really, int- like, maybe it's just because I'm so much more invested in them as characters. I'm not noticing the sure. flaws as much. I'm sure that's a big part of it. But, like, even just the angles and the, the the music. Oh, there's this really unfortunate cello thing they do when they're doing sob story stuff for Danny. And because that I don't care about Danny, like I negative care about Danny. Um, it just made the the unfittingness of this really like emotional cello lines. Like you have not earned this show. No, give that cello to Jessica. She's got some, and she wouldn't want cello. She'd say pipe down and you yeah. do a little jazz underneath <laughs> instead. Like, Anyways, I, I'm getting distracted. We should move on. This is too much time on the Defenders. Maybe next week we'll do like a spoiler-filled conversation yeah. about it. Um, but for now, let's move over to Winona Earp and I See a Darkness. Noel, I'm having the same problems. Um, they're about to do, again, another Buffy episode. <laughs> like, I, is it just me? Are you having this problem too? Or is it just because I am such a fangirl for Buffy that I'm? it feels too close? I think it's a little bit more the latter. Like okay. I, my memories of Buffy are like super hazy in a lot of places. Um, whereas I can remember broad outlines of things that have happened, but like specific episodes, only like super specific episodes are like stuck in my brain. So, but I'm also not like drawing immediate connections um, mm-hmm. to things that are happening. So why don't you tell me what you're worried, what the next thing is that you're like, the show is calling to mind. Oh, it's just, it's the, the next episode is going to be the, everybody's forgotten that Waverly exists, and then they start to notice, so it's like an alt-reality thing, and then they'll start to notice little things here and little things there, and then they'll realize this person's been erased, and it's, it's, and then they'll, it's just going to be, it's the, the opportunity to do a light, funnier, frothier episode before they do the intense, dramatic finale, because sure. there are two episodes left. So, um, yeah, I really liked what we got here. I thought um, I thought the stuff with, you know, introducing that Nicole has a wife was a bit cheap, but fair enough. Yeah. Um, I liked the attention p- given and the weight given to Waverly's choices and to where everybody's at. I like that they keep Winona as not necessarily the good guy by her pushing Rosita into something that she would have volunteered for. Um, I like the murkiness of that. And I like the consequences, at least in this episode. I don't, I'm, I wish they would have gotten a little more creative, but like, again, they've very specifically done several wish episodes on Buffy. Um, it's just, well, you don't do say, say certain words, you know, you don't say the W word. Um, but, um, yeah. So I think I do think it's more of a me thing than a show thing, but uh, I would like them to make some distinct, very unbuffy choices in the next two. But we'll see if they do that. What, what did you think about this episode? 
Uh, I thought it was fine for the most part. Mostly I was sort of grooving on all the Nedley stuff that got happened in this week's episode. Mm-hmm. I've really, really liked it. I, I, which is not to say that I enjoy watching Nedley get tortured, but I enjoyed him refusing basically to break and just like, no, do whatever you want. Why Noda is scarier than you. I don't want to <laughs> deal with that. It was and, very Constable Bob and Decoy. Right. Drew yeah. Satania. Yeah. Drew Baca. Yeah. Go for it. So I, I really enjoyed all of that. And uh, as especially considering he's been sort of like very background this season, having him be as prominent as he was in this episode, even if it was just tied to chair and getting the crap beaten out of him, uh, it was still really fun um, to see him in the forefront. But it was also like seeing his his relief and joy at seeing Winona come to his rescue was also really, really cool. So I think that was sort of like the standout for me. Because a lot of, like, the Waverly stuff makes sense, but it's also just a series of, like, terrible decisions. And that um, Carrie Reisler was just like, these are, these are Dean Winchester levels of bad decisions. (laughs) Yeah, that's good. (laughs) Which is, which is correct, because these are all a number of really bad decisions that are happening right now. Um, So that was a... Well, your point, like they're all they all make sense within the moment, but they're also sort of like if you just step back, it's one of those things where you go, but Winona said she was going to do this. (laughs) So why didn't you just sort of wait just a minute? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, So, yeah, I'm I'm sort of okay with them doing whatever with uh, tonight's episode of where did everyone go but i i I don't necessarily have your confidence that it's going to be fun necessarily uh so much as just sort of a them pounding against the alt reality going listen to me type of thing and (laughs) i i don't know how fun it can be um uh within where sort of everything is right now oh i mean it's just gonna be alt reality and Everybody, they're going to have different friendships and different, mm-hmm. like, there's a wedding, so somebody's getting married, and we're going to be like, them? That's ridiculous! Mm-hmm. You know, and, but that's what life would be if Winona had never existed, and, like, all these different things. So we'll see, you know, uh, hopefully they'll be very creative with their alt-reality. That's all my thing with alt-reality episodes, whenever you're doing them, if you don't go big, yeah, why did you do this? So hopefully they, I, I it feels like the kind of thing they will have a lot of fun with. Okay. Well, fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. What about the bold type? Three girls in a tub. We got some distinct romantic movements. Um, and I, I did not expect the Sutton Richard break this quickly, but I'm I'm all here for it. And I liked how it came about. Like, I appreciated... I don't necessarily appreciate, like, the, the intense cat stuff that factored into it, even if it was very cat-esque. But the degree to which they're sort of overhammering home, the fact that she just keeps making these very rash moves, and there are limited consequences for her, it feels like, in a lot of ways. So that, I think I was getting hit a little hard, but all I like the fact that it was just a real realization that it's just like, they're all really young. And I, I liked that sort of acknowledgement of it. And also, like, Sutton is still really young. And so I, I liked how that play paid off their break. So it made sense for it to happen here, even more than it would have made sense to have it happen later and to have it happen 
as a result of this and have it happen as a result of Sutton sort of coming into her own as well with this job that she actually wants to have and wants to be good at, as opposed to a job that she became really, really good at. Um, and I think that speaks to like maturity that she's developed as well. Uh, even in this very short span of time that she wants to really commit herself to this and is sees that this isn't going to work anymore, especially given that she wants more out of life period so that she can't have that with Richard, as she acknowledged. So I, I really appreciated how they played all of that. Yeah, and that they didn't make Richard a dick or something. That right. they didn't have him, like he was a wonderful boyfriend about her friends, like her showing up super stoned and one of her friends showing up super drunk and the other one just awkward be like, uh, this is weird. I don't want to be here. You know, like, yeah, there I thought he handled the whole thing very maturely and very respectfully. It's not her fault. She didn't know that they were edibles, you know. Um, but it just, you know, and, and the way that they bring everything to a head with the mixer having discussions and shade thrown of one of the other people who's there who is dating an, an executive in their company. I like that they didn't hammer that home, but they included it. So that's clear in the back of her mind. And just, I, I also really liked, again, that they made such a big deal about how bad this would be for him too, how much respect he would lose at mm -hmm. his, at his work. And that it really is kind of amazing. It hasn't been found. I like, I was like, you told him, you told your friends, like, dude, you showed up to save me at a random pawn shop. Of course he figured it out. Like it was wonderful that you did that, but of course he figured out why you were there. I mean, right. it wasn't hard. The, there's not a reason for you to have shown up as a board member. So yeah. one plus one equals two and also <laughs> horses, not zebras. Yes, <laughs> indeed. Indeed. Um, so yeah, I thought that that was very well handled. I agree with the cat stuff. I like that. Again, she had a loss last week and she had to fire the person this week and that she's really great at what she does, but she's not necessarily great at everything. She's not great at being a boss. Right, she's not great but, at picking talent. <laughs> yeah. And it's also one of those things where I'm still really flummoxed that she's the social media director for this major publication mm -hmm. because I'm very much like, no, she's, she's really not old enough to have this job. Um, it's just like, there are people much older that would have this job even at a publication like this. So, and so it just still sort of irks me, but yeah, she's, she's not very good at her job and she keeps bucking against everyone that needs her to do her job. <laughs> uh, I don't know that I agree with that. I do think they've done for me, they've done enough to show that she has a good read on social media and uh, is, is very on top of the social media accounts herself. Uh, but as far as she has an instinct, it was like, of course she wouldn't do that. Okay, yeah. well, she knows that her employee doesn't. And the fact that she couldn't tell her employee didn't have that judgment isn't saying good things about her, but it also speaks to, you know, just because you're good at one thing doesn't mean that you're good at identifying that and something else. And she was so afraid of being a bad boss that she wasn't doing her job of really coming down on this person. She was treating them like a peer when she needed to be treating them like an employee, which is what they were. Right. Um, and uh, I guess a lot of like where my coming from with her job is also just like her whole thing last week with the Instagram feud. Just like you don't get to make that decision. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, and when people call you on it, you're supposed to stop because you're putting everything at risk when you're doing yeah. that sort of thing. So 
that's kind of where I lean with it. Um, but then last week was also like everyone was making really bad decisions that should have gotten them fired. Um, Touche. <laughs> but also, like, I mean, we saw um, Jacqueline's husband again this week, and I'm just like, oh no, I'm really worried about this marriage now that we've seen the husband twice in yeah. <laughs> as many weeks. Things now are going to great bad. It is. <laughs> yeah, something bad's going to happen, and oh no, their marriage is okay. Okay, okay, breathe, Noel. They're not gonna. They're not gonna ruin this. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, so I just immediately got concerned when I saw the husband again. <laughs> well, and they're just so lovely together. I love the writing yeah. for them, and they're so mature, mm-hmm. and they're so like level-headed. And that's you know that's how they make their marriage work is they're yeah. mature, responsible adults who have gotten there together. Yeah, um, yeah that was lovely. Uh, the stuff with Jane and, and Pinstripe, I thought was. Um, they're clearly setting them up for perhaps an OTP, but certainly a thing they can re- return to later in the series run or season yeah. run. Um, Jane was rather presumptuous of him, I thought, that he didn't want a monogamous relationship. Because she was just assuming he was sleeping around, but they didn't ever have that conversation. Yeah, and I think a lot of it boiled down to the fact that her assumption is the fact that he can't be in one because of his job to a certain degree, which is an understandable side eye, but like her response to like the wax play and everything with, um, it's just like, well, how do you know that exactly? And so, but also like, that was the only article we'd seen right. that that wasn't didn't specifically reference things he had her. tried out with her. Yeah. So that implies that he hadn't yeah. been right. necessarily and only after she was like, I'm gonna date other people, that's when he started dating other people, as far as we yeah. know. As far as we know, right. So and yeah, but no, it's it is very presumptuous overall of her because I, the way he, at least the way the actor is playing it, and at least some of the writing is very much like, but I, we're, uh, but we need to have a conversation about this, maybe? Type mm-hmm. of thing. And I think a lot of it also just boiled down to the fact that she wanted to, she was looking for an out as well. I think a lot mm-hmm. of that played out as well. It's just like, yeah, this whole thing's making me sort of uncomfortable with you, maybe? I can't tell. Like, it's sort of amorphous. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and just that um, because again, if you watch the what actually happens is she blurts out "and I love you," and right. they're like, and then she immediately walks it back, and he blo- you know picks up on her lead and then brushes it away because it seems like that's what she wants, or maybe it is what he wants too. But then the next yeah. day he brings her lunch, and they they're going to have lunch together at work, which is it seems like an unusual thing. So it's a gesture on his part, saying so like mm-hmm. if you want to make things more serious, which then she immediately responds to with. The other thing. So, I don't know. Again, just talk to each other, characters <laughs> on our television. Communication. Yeah, if you just talk to each other, you guys wouldn't have any of this drama that the writers need to fill their <laughs> run times. Just yeah. talk to one another. Just do that. Um, anything else on the bull type, or do we need to talk that Crazy Claws finale? No, let's talk about the Crazy Claws finale. So tell me about the Crazy Claws finale, Kate. Tell me well, all about it. Well, I saw your tweet about it before I had gotten to see the episode. It's oh, called well, Avalanche. I apologize for that. Well, I just kept waiting for someone to die. Oh, okay. And then that didn't happen. I was like, oh, okay. And then I thought you were referencing the pregnancy. I was like, well, she's just going to go get some, you know, go to get an abortion. That'll be fine. And then I saw the last name. I was like, oh, that's yeah. what he's talking about. And yeah. I agree. Yeah. 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 It was very much an I agree sort of moment. But also, I, I was just like, oh, no. 
Why why is he the why is he the head of the Haitians? And then it was just like, oh, but I should have guessed that that was going to happen. <laughs> um, how did you feel they uh, handled the cliffhanger? I thought for me, I thought they got out of that nice and quickly, which I appreciated. Um, did you? I mean, and then they killed off the uh, Uncle Daddy's wife. Um, so we had a some 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 appro- like finale appropriate loss and drama. Um, I don't know that I bought. Uncle Daddy just being cool with Desna trying to kill Roller, but yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily buy it either, and I, I, it sort of speaks more to the fact of the one thing that we were cheering about this last little run of episodes of how, in the background, Uncle Daddy ended up being that now we're sort of like, well, yeah, Roller was sort of like, not being the best employee, <laughs> <laughs> and Uncle Daddy really values that kind of thing. But also just how broken up he was about it. So the psychology of Uncle Daddy within this whole stew uh, wasn't like super, super duper clear. Um, how do you feel about like we also got some new stuff. We got Polly buying uh, that that her the daughter off of that acquaintance. Um, I thought that that was appropriately just like heartbreaking and i thought it was sweet how the new boyfriend you know kind of creepy but sweet (laughs) how he tried to comfort her as well yeah and it is but it is also one of those things where i kept waiting for that plot to pay off this season in some way shape or form and the payoff was no just to an elvis impersonator and her mom and now We've got a daughter for season two is basically (laughs) what that ended up being. Um, But I guess they needed something for Polly to have happening in season two already. Mm -hmm. But it was a nice moment. I agree with you. Um, So I liked that aspect of it. Um, How do you think they handled the um, return to the the salon, a.k.a. we're not building a new set? (laughs) I was I was sort of disappointed with that. Um, even though I, for that reason, is like I really like the new salon, but I, I understand that they needed to do that um, mm-hmm. just to like keep everyone in one place. And given all the deals that were made with the Russians, um, that they didn't really narratively they found a good way to justify it, but it still made me really sad. <laughs> <laughs> that because I, I wanted them, I wanted every, I wanted that crew to have their moment, Kate. Yeah. And they didn't even get to open it. And Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. Series finale, maybe? Who knows? Yeah, maybe. Maybe they'll have, like, a really nice one. But that seemed like a really nice one. It that did. They, that they got cleaned up after it got ruined with all the plumbing issues <laughs> <laughs> previously. <laughs> true. Very true. Well, any thoughts on Virginia's pregnancy? Not really um beyond the fact that i i am I'm, I'm agreeing with you that it can it can and probably should uh narratively speaking just be dealt with very quickly with um an abortion of some sort mm-hmm. and just sort of remedied that way yeah. as just because i don't think it's a super interesting narrative road for them to go on mm-hmm. um especially with dean um and just their ha- how Dean's response to things and every are will he's not central enough to the narrative for this to be something that they can really devote any time to. And that's what, that's why I'm, that's why I'm just like deal with it maybe across an episode, 
But let's not dig in too deep because otherwise Dean really has to come to the forefront in a way that he's not pr- currently. Yeah. Well, and then they'd have to tie him into the stuff with the the gang, and I'd rather not see that. I liked. Yeah. I liked when he um, was confronting Des about why is Roller yes. trying to kill you? Yeah. And, and then it's like, oh, because I tried to kill him. It's like, you shouldn't do that. Bad life choices. <laughs> like, that, that that conversation was terrific. And I love that they let him have that anger because he doesn't have many friends. And Roller was one of them. Um, so I really appreciate it. I didn't expect that. Um, so I really appreciated that. Any other thoughts on this finale and what to hope or expect for season two? let's see what do i expect for season two i'm i'm excited about the presence of the russians coming way more into the forefront in part because i really like the woman who's playing the head of the russians yeah Uh, she's she's, terrific she's really really good and she seems significantly craftier that whole standoff in the country club is by far and away like the best part of this episode i think um Mm -hmm. in terms of how that keeps like shit how that ground keeps shifting under everyone, including the old lady asking for directions to the buffet or whatever it was, and then having a gun, a really big gun. <laughs> um, yeah. And so I enjoyed all of that. So I'm excited to see how the Russians now much more, a much larger force um, play into things uh, as for how that ends up in a gang war with um, the Haitians and um, uncle daddy um I guess we'll see like the, the larger crime aspect of the show has never been like my favorite part, but which is a ridiculous thing to say about a show that's very much about crime, but it's still one of those things where I never liked it when it completely consumed them. And I liked things where they were having to like keep the salon afloat or they went to like the narrow competition. Um, we're all like really good elements of the show where they can have their like personal victories come through a lot more. So I was always more excited with those moments than necessarily we got out of this jam type of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. And that's uh, hopefully what we get more of next season. I-, I look forward to seeing what, if any, tweaks they make uh, after, you know, getting a chance to have some distance from the first season and yeah. look at the responses and, and the criticisms and the what the fans really engage with. And we'll see what they bring for season two. But I know I did not trust that they had anything figured out um as regards roller and they they managed to turn that back around so they did any of my fears Mm. about next season maybe getting too plot heavy or too bogged down in all these different factions um hopefully they will surprise me with that as well hopefully yeah and um at this point i feel like i can have some degree of confidence going into that second season yeah yeah i think so too and it's it's a strong first season one of the better new shows this year right i think so yeah definitely definitely What wins your week in everything but comedy? <laughs> um, that's a good question. Um, I guess I'll give it to Claus finale. I think mm-hmm. um, was probably like the thing I enjoyed most, even if I like seem sort of like wishy washy. A lot of that just has to do with the fact that it's been so long since I watched it. It's but, been it's been a week. It's listeners. been a week is a lot of what that boils down to. But I think that was probably the stronger of the things I watched. What about you? Like you had a whole bunch of stuff that you didn't even discuss this week that could yeah. easily win your week. Well, there, Twin Peaks was intense. There was a lot of really great stuff on Twin Peaks. Um, Game of Thrones was solid. Um, but, I mean, I just, I have to give it to the Vice documentary. It's, mm-hmm. it is that good. And it's, it's something I'm going to remember for a very long time. So, again, listeners, seek it out. Just Google it. 
put it's it's on YouTube, it's on Google. Several different websites have like written up short pieces about it and then embedded the video. So seek it out, find it, watch the Vice documentary, or it's produced by by, by Vice. Charlottesville Race and Terror. You, we should all we should all watch it. We should all be informed about exactly what was going on there last weekend and what I really hope is not going to be happening this weekend. But who knows. Fingers crossed. crossed, Anyways, hopefully there won't be another, you know, vigil that I'm going to this coming weekend. Yay. Okay. Um, On that cheery thought, we need to cleanse the palate. We're going to take a break. We're going to listen to a little bit of music. Um, Trailer for this most recent season of Warp and Black. And I'm coming back with Emma Fraser from TV at My Wardrobe and The uh, The Observer and all these different places to talk about Orphan Black. So, Noel, it's been a pleasure as ever. Thank you so much. Always. (laughs) <laughs> Always a pleasure. A few show notes. You can find a post for this episode over at theteleverse.org. Post a comment there and let us know what you thought of the week's TV. Um, you can email us at televerse.gmail.com. You can like us on Facebook, start up a conversation there. You can find us with an M4A chaptered feed in iTunes as well as an MP3 feed. And you can also find us on Stitcher. And then we're both on Twitter. I'm at, I'm at the Televerse and Noel, you are? I'm at Noel RK. And now we'll take a break and I will come back with Emma Fraser. So we'll be right back after this. very start they hunted us controlled us used us betrayed us but they could not break us now we fight to control our bodies to love whom we choose now we fight for my babies for my sisters for the family we've chosen for all freedom I'll kill you Together we fight with everything we've got and everything to lose for a new future until the end. Together we are one. We are one. We are one. the televerse this is kate kalzik and this week at the dvd shelf I, we needed to talk some orphan black on the televerse and noel has not seen it so uh it's time to bring in a fabulous guest and this week returning to the podcast it's emma fraser emma welcome back hi it's good to be back uh, thank you so much for joining me and uh for being willing to deal with the time difference because i know that because of course you're you're in the uk so so finding a time where we can both record is challenging but i think it was definitely worth it to talk about orphan black a hundred percent yeah no i'm excited to talk about this amazing amazing show well let's start with the finale which aired this this past week and um how, how did you well what's your relationship with the show i guess to start out with and then how did you feel this finale worked to end the season but also the series i honestly was so happy with this finale i would it's instantly going into most satisfying finales up there with uh, friday night lights and six feet under in that it was emotional and it wrapped up the story that i cared about like the mythology stuff was you know it's sprawling it it had that classic like x-files 
fringe thing where it starts to fall under its own weight a little bit but the fact that they brought it back to these women and to their story and not the overarching plot like it was yeah satisfying on a whole level i wasn't expecting yeah the the biggest criticism i have of orphan black and it's something that we'll talk about here a bit is that they for the most part really failed when it came to villains they never had particularly compelling villains and they were because they weren't willing to make Rachel a full-on villain. She would she would head that way, and then they would do something to humanize her and, and to pull back a bit. Um, they didn't want to commit to her as, no, she's just bad and evil and horrible. Um, and so when in the finale, they wrap up the, the conflict with the villain of the season uh, with about, like, what, 15 minutes to spare? It was yes. <laughs> it was so appropriate because that's never what the show's been. It's never yeah. been the show's strength. And so instead of having just like them get safely uh, Helena, Helena or Helena? Because Helena, okay, <laughs> they say both. Um, Helena, <laughs> having Helena give birth and have the kids um, and them escape, you know, from the clutches of of the neolutionists, that's not what it's about. And so having that lengthy denouement, it was just so beautiful and appropriate and fitting with the, fitting with the themes of the show and this very strong sense that life goes on, which has always been a a challenge of this show like it's something that they're addressing with these different characters what do you do when you've won your battle air quotes but you still have a terminal diagnosis like Cosima, or you're you're still married to the person that you love but who was your handler and was reporting on you to an evil organization like else like they've got serious baggage all of the clones and so to watch them come to terms with that and and where the show, series chose to end it was it was lovely and i think especially with the interpreting of villains like sarah's greatest villain was herself essentially like she was always on the run she was always like r- yeah hiding running from something and it was herself really and to have her kind of grapple with the yeah what next what do i do when the thing that i thought was broken within me is still broken and that's why that final scene was just like or the main sequence with the like for women was so so great yeah well because again she's she's wonderful in a crisis she's exactly who you need in a crisis these the the rest of her her sisters her sisters would you know maybe not helena but the rest of them would be (laughs) dead in, in the kind of issues they had that they had to deal with without sarah's guidance in those those tense moments but when things slow down then you have to make the small choices and the the daily choices and those are what she really struggles with so yeah to have that looming specter be the final thing she's got to grapple with i thought was lovely and i think as well the fact that they'd already killed off ass which was obviously really devastating but i was worried they were going to kill someone else um Mm -hmm. in the finale and i was like if they did that you know i thought helena might die in childbirth or one of them would sacrifice themselves but i'm so glad they went for the we've already killed us we don't need to kill anyone else yeah i like art i was really worried that art was gonna like die protecting them and it was it was good that they went the other way Oh yeah, they, I would have been. It would have been bad. See, see, because I feel like they learned their lesson because they killed Delphine, 
Um, and then they unburied their gay, <laughs> thankfully, after yeah. that. Like, no, you just didn't see she got into an ambulance. Like, right <laughs> after. After she clearly died on screen. Our bad, guys. Our bad. Um, that was a, a fun trend in the last you know, year or two of, of, of shows burying their gaze and, and uh, contributing to that horrible trope in television storytelling. Um, and then, then like undoing it, which, yeah. you know, it, it really helps <laughs> my appreciation of the show, but, but focusing for, for Cosima, that, that is a, that is a part of her story at the end is, is the show having her and Delphine, like, there's some tension over the course of the season, but for the most part, they're they're in a good space. They're like that just comes from insecurities that Cosima has. It's nothing with Delphine. They're they're they get a happily ever after for them. Yes. Uh, Rachel gets as much of a happily ever after as she could have at this point. Helena <laughs> definitely gets a happily like they all you know, with the exception of, of maybe you know, like Allison's still figuring it out, Sarah's still figuring it out, but like the show was not about tragedy the end they weren't no. gonna they didn't want to glory in a, a noble death because that's it's bullshit <laughs> and s had already done that i think so yeah. kind of already had that like heartbreaking moment when at, like the gallery or what felix's first show and he does a whole uh my galaxy of women speech and like sobbing i was actually that's the other thing about this finale i pretty much cried for a good 50 percent of it i think <laughs> well i thought bringing it back like bringing s back in the way that they did for this was oh, so smart like... and bringing it back to this decision of sarah whether she's gonna have kira um and the the agency in that choice and in the bringing this back to this discussion of family and who is family and what does that mean and what is motherhood what is sisterhood um and and again to talk to reference the galaxy of women's speech the the different responses they all have to that um it's lovely to see i, I, I keep going back to lovely but it's, I, there's so many warm <laughs> fuzzies for me in this finale yeah, and I think that the whole thing about, yeah, the element of choice, that's what this show is about, isn't it? About all these horrors that these women have had, like, put on them and their bodies because of who they are, but the fact that they can get past that and they do get past that because of their sisterhood. Mm -hmm. Like, it doesn't matter that the creator is trying to, like, manipulate everything because ultimately they will drop a cylinder on his face. <laughs> yes, and I will be very excited about that. Um, let's talk a bit about season five here, and then we'll we'll pivot over to talk about the rest of the series. Uh, as much as I love these uh, the, the characters here on the show, and, and so, so, certainly... Um, like Allison and and Felix, I was so glad watching. Like I binged most of the season just a few weeks ago to catch up. I was so glad to see them get put on the back burner so that they could tell a cohesive final season story um, in yeah. season five. What did, what did you think about that? Were you were you glad to get less time? Like it sounds weird to say I'm glad we got less time with Felix and less time with <laughs> Allison, but I think it's what the show needed. I think it's what I needed, but I, I thought the stretch of time that Felix wasn't there was noticeable, and it did get to the point where it was like, Felix needs to come back from Geneva, because obviously they're not going to Geneva to film anything mm -hmm. um, for budget reasons, and I, I did miss Felix. Um, I think, yeah, maybe story-wise it, it did benefit, it because they could tell more of a cohesive storyline. I think maybe they spent a bit too much time on the island. Mm -hmm. 
out of like lesser, but then I guess, like you said, the villain aspect because Westmoreland's just not that interesting. So, and they should have lent more into Rachel being the big bad because Ferdinand's and but also he did jump on MK's uh chest, which was pretty even by the stretch of this show with how violent it can be. That I don't know if it went too far, but it definitely erred on the line of too far. Yeah, I think and- that my the way that I watched the season really impacted how successful it was for me because I watched the first couple as they aired and then I got away from it and I came back. So I had like some time to like heal and forget about the horrible death of MK and then I binged the rest. So it was like, we just saw Felix three hours ago. It's fine. Yeah, I guess each week things do feel a bit different. It feels like a much obviously longer stretch because it is like I haven't seen him in like three weeks rather than yeah, three hours. So um, yeah, it, I think binge watching can, especially a show like this, can definitely impact that. Um, but generally, I thought this season did a good job with the mythology because it can be quite ridiculous. <laughs> And I thought, because uh, I was, did a piece about Orphan Black for this week, and I was like looking back at some stuff, and I'd completely forgotten the name of the Prolethians. I was just like all these different factions. So it was good to bring it back to just one faction of the overall map of people. Well, yeah, and to pull on these threads that they had sort of abandoned in different seasons because they didn't work that great. <laughs> so bringing back uh, Mark. Um, and just for a few episodes, bringing back Cody, um, I was like, oh yeah, that's right. I didn't care about you bringing back, (laughs) yeah, bringing back the murder, um, accidental murder of Leaky as a pressure point with the cops. I I would say the weakest part of the season for me, it was the, was Art, um, and his partner, uh, because they, they never explained why do these people have control over the police? This person, why is this person allowed to just work outside of the law as an official cut. Like it was so poorly uh, justified. It's like, I don't understand how possibly this is happening. And art is like, has his hands this tied. But um, other than that, I would say like they, they did a pretty good job of, of bringing back these other threads from previous seasons, just enough to make it feel cohesive, but without letting us really dwell on the issues (laughs) lingering for those storylines. And that's the thing. I mean, it, the show was never going to answer all of the questions it threw out. And I think it did a good job of, yeah, making us not concerned with, like, why Helena and Sarah are the only ones that can have kids. Like, it, at, at the end of the day, that doesn't really matter to the actual story they were telling. They were just little pieces. I'm sure there are some viewers who probably are annoyed that that never got answered. Um, my main annoyance was Cal never getting mentioned ever again. Right? <laughs> At the end, when when Felix is going out to the car, I was like, "Is that is it gonna be? Is it gonna be?" Yeah, Cal? that's what I thought. <laughs> that seems weird for the show to end on like your love interest is back now you're healed. Right. Um, so it was much what they did was much better. Um, but yeah, I agree that was also very strange. They just said, said Mikhail Wishman uh, is too big for us now, <laughs> or we, yeah. you know, like that was very that, another one of those those issues uh, over the series run. But here's the thing: as much as I can point to, they never had a strong villain uh uh, the decision to have the uh the caster clones was stupid and didn't work very well and no you know it's no fault on the actor that they cast but he's not tatiana mislani and that's not his fault 
nobody's Tatiana Maslany. <laughs> they, they struck gold with her. But the other clone, like the decision to not have the other clones have distinct personalities was a, was like negated the whole thing that made the show interesting and that made the clones interesting. So that was a big problem. The the different factions within the illusion and um, Delphine's uh, good. No, she's really a spy. No, she's really evil. Oh, but she's turned. Oh, and now she's in charge of the illusion. Like, no. But I don't care because in the yeah. end, this is a, a, a story about very distinct characters with very clear motivations and uh, who were interesting and made me and got me to care about them. And so in the end, the rest was just window dressing and it was just the story of these group of women. And could they could they survive? And and. Could they have agency over their lives? Yeah, and to which extent, what extents were they satisfied when they couldn't? Um, so I just thought, you know, in the end, the show was so true to its core mission um, oh, that it was absolutely satisfying. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I just, yeah. And like I said, I mean, when it comes to answers, I find, so with a show like The X-Files, um, I find the mythology episodes now to be like, I, I don't care about the mythology. Like, I just want to see Scully and Mulder solving some cases. And I think they, I mean, obviously, Ultimate Black only ran for five seasons, and so they didn't fall under the weight completely. But I think that a lot of these shows with the big mythology arcs kind of sometimes forget that people just really care about the core characters. They're not necessarily as bothered by the whys of everything. Um, and I think that's why this finale was so successful. And I, and like I said, it just it blew me away. And I was I was expecting to enjoy it, but I wasn't expecting to have that visceral reaction to it. I wasn't expecting to have that strong of a reaction to the entire last season, especially because well, the first two episodes I was like, yeah, I mean, I always enjoy Orphan Black, but it was like, eh. Um, and then when I binged the other ones, I got super caught up in it. And and I, I like like you, I also had a very strong emotional response to this finale. And it's so I, I would be recommending the show to people anyways, even if I thought they had kind of botched the finale just based on the strength of of the rest of the show and, and the stuff it does well. It does so very well. But it, it's an extra little uh burst of confidence, I guess, at the end that makes it even easier to, to recommend that people seek out this show. Um, let's talk about the, like, reflecting back on the series as a whole. And I think we have to start with Tatiana Maslany and the, <laughs> just the towering achievement of these performances. Yeah, like, even in the finale, there was one point where I was like, I cannot believe she is, like, sitting there with, I mean, obviously, like, the work of her doubles, like, especially Catherine Alexandra, who she always mentions, um, is integral to it but when they're sat outside in the garden i was like i cannot believe she is literally all of these women like mm -hmm. and the fact that yeah she plays these characters in such different ways that i am like that's allison that's not the same person as like sarah and when they're the clones playing other clones is my favorite trick that this show ever did uh -huh. because the subtle ways that she like changed it i'm just in awe of her basically and i'm so glad she won the emmy last year i'm worried that by the time the emmys come around next year this will be not forgotten about but pushed behind anything else that comes after it it's, it's kind of in that awkward position i think for mm. her to get nominated again yeah the timing of it is not ideal for for an emmy push certainly and it and based on the the show well bbc or bbc bbc america right is where it airs 
um, here um, based on it not getting a push for like Comic-Con doing a panel or something like that. It, it tells me they're not that interested in doing a, a Emmy's push either. So yeah. they don't want to spend, uh, which is understandable, but uh, it's, it's a bit of a shame. Yeah. It's, it's so great. Like, I love that you already mentioned Catherine Alexander because I feel like she doesn't get anywhere near enough credit for the success and achievement of this these performances from Maslani because it's not just she stands there it's she's her act like she she's who Maslani is acting off of in all of these different scenes and they're doing all the over the shoulder shots and that's you know when you watch auditions obviously you have some line reader just like kind of saying the other part. Yeah. You know, and, and it's usually very flat and dead. They're not trying to give it anything because that's not their job. And the, the person who's auditioning has to give, they bring it all themselves. But in something like this, <laughs> that doesn't work. You have to have something to feed off of. And Alexander being an actress, not just someone who just stands in because <laughs> they're the right height. Um, I, I feel like that has to be a huge part of why there's such a palpable connection with these these characters when they can't possibly be playing off of each other. Yeah. And I love that Maslany always, always mentions her regardless. And I think you can tell, I mean, the cast and crew seem pretty tight from obviously on Instagram and stuff. And that is a, you know, a tool of promotion, but I get the vibe that they actually do like each other. Um, and yeah, the fact that Maslany is constantly saying, I couldn't do this without her is I think a testament to both, Zani as an actress and a person, um, like not just being like, "Yeah, I'm amazing. <laughs> I'm pretty great." <laughs> yes, but uh, <laughs> yeah, like I think it, and I think the supporting cast as well are equally as important to the over. I mean, because it must be insane for them to be acting against, like, like in that last scene when uh, Felix comes in, he's acting against four different people who mm. are all like, it must be difficult to block those scenes and yeah. do this. And yeah, so I think it's as a cast as a whole, they're all like incredible. Well, just thinking about because I, I, I've of course thought about what it's like for Maslani to act with herself. Like the one on one, she's got Catherine Alexander stand in, but like, do they? So do they have like three stand ins when they're filming their garden scene? They do. There's a picture on Instagram actually of her with her three different. Okay. I was going to say because that makes way more sense. Because even just like the, I was, that, I was thinking of Gavaris, Jordan Gavaris as Felix walking in and being like, "Okay, Mazlani has like acted this four different ways, so she like knows what each character is thinking and the eye lines and what like." But Gavaris hasn't gone through that same mental process, so how does he keep track of all the eye lines and like the? Oh, it's crazy. But yeah, yeah, on Instagram there is a picture which is very funny because you're like, they all kind of look like her, but you know obviously that it's not. Um, yeah. But yeah, so from a technical point of view, I and also I, I think the dance sequence they did, you can kind of tell that it's obviously they're not all there at the same time. Um, that was the end of season three, season two. Yeah. Uh, uh, but this like final sequence in the garden, it's like they look like they're sitting on the same chair. It doesn't look like... You know, they're not there. It, it looks more real than uh, the Kalinda, Alicia not being in the bar, same bar. Uh, I was going to say, like, <laughs> let's throw some more shade. Let's take this opportunity, as I will always take an opportunity to throw some shade at the good wife for that horribly exit. Like, it was so bad. It was so poorly right. executed. Like, ah, oh, it clearly it can be done and done really well. 
call right. somebody up and over from black and send them a gift basket and tell them tell you how to do it for um, sure that yeah has less of the budget as well i'd imagine the budget for from black isn't particularly big no uh, and so what they do with what they have is always incredible to me um, i yeah. keep saying incredible about the show which which i yeah like i said it, it's messy in places but i think at the heart of orphan black it's you know amazing i'm me. trying to think of any show that i've seen and i've seen too many shows frankly um that handles clones or even twins this well when they don't have actual physical twins that they can cast you know like 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 in in the um, uh social network right yeah that was they did a good job there but um i'm trying to think because you know it's a it's a thing that comes up in genre all the time fringe did it did a pretty good job with the two olivias yeah but they were very rarely in the same same screen um oh leftovers the penultimate episode with the two cabins yeah that's true It was only brief, though, again. So I think it's a trick that some shows use briefly, but there's, there's not been, I don't think, to this level. Yeah. I, I don't know that a show will ever capture this as well. I mean, like, it would be great if it do- does. I just I don't anticipate it happening again, where you have the same actor giving all of these different performances and constantly living in the same space as different versions of that character. Um the same the same physical space no they are all so distinct like yeah it in like how someone like crystal for example oh i is, love crystal i know she's and i love that they brought in uh her um real life boyfriend tom cullen in mm-hmm. that uh to for her to have a, a love scene with but also then to destroy his beard that was fun mm-hmm. um and yeah like they're, they're all so different and you get even when you're only seeing them for a few moments you're kind of like i get who this character is i know that she's not allison or sarah even the final one when they're doing the inoculations i was like oh this is another another one yeah (laughs) it's it's good well and they don't they never feel like she's the rebel one she's the homemaker one like you could say (laughs) that but they each they don't feel like a caricature they feel distinct they feel like a fully realized individual when we found out a little bit more about Cosima's like childhood and upbringing in this last season i was like yeah that makes sense if it's yeah. what we know <laughs> um yeah. Uh, and, yeah and and but but even though we hadn't seen that we hadn't been told how she grew up in the previous seasons it didn't feel like that was just a default setting of probably in the suburbs somewhere with smart and smart and probably wealthy to a certain extent to afford her this education parents no like there wasn't a generic feel to them like the way that often um shows like this meaning shows that that want to have like long lost twins or clones or like nature versus nurtured conversations the way that they tend to heighten one element to 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 distinct distinguish different characters like that uh, let's talk about some of the supporting cast because we've already given some love to felix and mrs s but we, we let's talk about the cast because for me the heart of the show is yes maslani and the different maslanis <laughs> but it all it all comes back to me for for the show with uh sarah and felix um yes and i feel like the show would not work without Gavaris. 
No, I agree. I actually went back and rewatched a few episodes before the final episode. I I, I was only going to watch a couple and I ended up just like sticking it on and watching like five or six. Mm-hmm. Um, and so from the first episode and it, it was interesting that there was always a push pull with them as well. It was never just like, oh, we love each other. We're brother and sister. There was always like this, you know, there was obstacles. Um, she would like ask too much of him. He would push back. He wouldn't always say yes. Um, and the fact that he had his own life, like with his art and his like newfound sister and love interests. Oh, Not enough. I loved Colin. I'm so yeah. glad he got a love interest at the end that was like somebody we remembered. <laughs> and I think it it felt like a very lived in relationship. And the and it's this is the other amazing thing about all of them is the fact that her chemistry with him is different depending on who she's playing, mm-hmm. which I don't understand how how yeah how you can change your chemistry as acting partners like but she does it and he does it yeah so it's very different when she's playing sarah than when she's playing allison because obviously he has that very lovely relationship with allison mm-hmm. where he's kind of helped her out with her like addiction stuff um and so it's always amazing to see him playing off her depending on who she is in that yeah. moment well and with Cosima, they're both the cool artsy kids you know and then like there's it's again it's such a different vibe with each with each pairing um maria doyle kennedy i think as as mrs s is such a important figure for the show because she grounds especially in the earlier part of the 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 series run she grounds it so much um yeah there's there's a authenticity and a gravitas to her performance as well as just a certain appro- appropriate amount of like exasperated mom <laughs> <laughs> that does so much because like all this crazy stuff is going on and uh, and you know as as great as as Maslani is right off the bat at least with this performance it's still it's a lot of sci-fi stuff happening and yeah. Felix is a very distinct heightened kind of character. He's, he's Felix right from the, from the get go. And there's certain stuff about him that's really relatable, but he's not, you know, your mom. Right. And, and so having, having Mrs. S and her badassery sort of like unfolded a little bit, like it grounds so much of that early part of the run. Like, yeah. And I love the season when they're talking about their like sneaking out spot of the house and she's all like, yeah, of course I knew about that kind of thing. Like, I, I just, <laughs> and that, yeah, their relationship feels very lived in as well. And I know we've had five seasons now of seeing it, but again, watching those first few episodes and you see the kind of like her not wanting Sarah to see Kira as much, um, that felt very real. And the fact that she had abandoned her for almost a year. So she never, like she always pushed Sarah, I think, which is probably why she felt so lost at the end. Mm-hmm. Without, because you know, S was her anchor, and without that, that's why I guess she started to like crumble a little. Well, and certainly just the the sense of regret and loss, where she finally like got to a good place with Mrs. S. She spent all this time in their relationship running and and just being angry and upset about all sorts of things and putting that on to S and I'm sure there are some issues S didn't handle as well as would have been ideal. Um, but then once they finally got to a good point, good place, like the, the timetable of the show is not very long. Um, Helena gets pregnant in season two and yeah. she gave season five. <laughs> like, yeah. So it was like n- nine months uh, span for the last like four seasons, essentially it's kind of, it's a really short span over the, 
the time that we've actually spent with them yeah so, which I, I when it occurs to me because I, I actually ended up watching a little bit of season two as well as season one before the finale um I was just like oh yeah that's kind of crazy that we've only covered like a space of probably a year in total mm-hmm and in that time, Elson's <laughs> <laughs> been a drug dealer, and, right. <laughs> and Delphine has died and then been not dead, and like yeah, a lot has gone to like Caster showed up and went away. Like yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, we there's so many other characters that I'm sure we would love to to dive in with. Let's just kind of mention a, a few each. I feel we got to talk about Donnie. Yes amazing <laughs> amazing christian brune like and they took such a, like the way he's introduced they never i don't think anticipated donnie and allison's relationship to end up like when they introduced him i don't no. know that they planned to go where it did but i'm so glad they did same it's and his relationship again with helena like it's like mm-hmm. another case of like having these different bonds between different like pairings essentially and the fact how he takes her under his wing and in like the survival stuff in the woods um it was, I, it was just a joy to watch and everything he was very funny mm-hmm. like the leaky murder like honestly one of the funniest I, I don't think i've ever found a murder that funny on screen before the accidental shooting yeah uh, and the dance on the bed with the money, like how ridiculous. Oh, and the dance at the end as well. Like, yeah. The it's, it's very cute. Well, I'm just like, oh, yeah, he step dances. He Highland step dances. It's like a thing. <laughs> <laughs> and they're so dorky. It's really, yeah, like as a pair. It's, I didn't expect to root for Donnie and Allison as much as I did from, yeah, from the first season. You're a bit like, who is this guy? Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, he's. I mean, yeah, really, really, really good. Who else would you like to mention? Who oh, else Art, we have to get in here. Uh, um, even though his storyline this season wasn't great, um, I think he was also really important in grounding. Uh, he ma- always kind of managed to pull Sarah back from doing stupid things, and his relationship with Beth as well. Mm-hmm. Like the whole giving Beth her backstory was, I think, also really important. Um, and him with Helena as well, when when she calls him Arthur, and then obviously the babies get mm-hmm. called Donnie and Arthur, and I that was a re- that another point that made me like cry a lot. <laughs> Though I wanted there to be triplets so that the third one could be named Felix, because I was like, I feel like, but it's like maybe Felix is like already like too close you know like a, but 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 then i don't know i feel like i feel like felix didn't get quite enough i was like who is it gonna be because she's gonna name the kids after the awesome men in their lives clearly yeah that but was there, a shame yeah but but i was glad that it was donnie i mean as i thought about it more it's like yes she but she hasn't interacted with felix as much as she has donnie and art so that makes sense and this really positive celebration of a certain kind of masculinity and the the tight because toxic masculinity is such a strong part of this last season with Westmoreland and I love that it's just this guy this petulant rich <laughs> white guy who's like I'm gonna live forever because <laughs> and I get to like own you and cut you up if I want to just to help my better myself. so then to have this constant re uh re-emphasis of no this is what it means to be a man to be yeah. you know to, to contribute to society to to be an equal partner that's what these these different men are on the show and it's lovely i yeah, keep no, saying I- it's lovely i need a new expression 
But no, I, I, I agree. And uh, the Westmoreland wig takeoff, like he, I mean, he was a, not a great villain, but he looked at that point like a great villain. Like yeah. it was very The Witches. I, I, oh, I remember. yeah, definitely. Um, and I guess he was kind of like the man behind the curtain, which they're always disappointing. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> so I guess it kind of fulfilled that aspect. Um, I'm just trying to think what other supporting, ca- like, I don't want to rag on a child because that's mm. not what Kira Sally wasn't quite Sally Draper levels, but mm. no one is. You can't expect everyone to be a Ken and Shipka. Um, I think she mostly handled herself really well over yeah. the time. The the sob at the funeral for us wasn't great, um, but generally I enjoyed her petulance this season and the pushing back mm-hmm. because. She was also a kind of experiment, and the fact that she did want to find out a bit more about who she was was interesting. Yeah, and I liked that they they wrote for her well. I thought uh, an appropriate amount, and they they avoided even though she was constantly in danger. It made sense why she was yeah. uh, when she they found out she had unique DNA. They they went a little woo woo with her, like being able to sense the other clones. <laughs> But not too far, you know. I thought they like backed away from that enough that it made sense, um, uh, or at least it didn't weigh down the story too much. And uh, they they let her. Ha- I mean, like she should be. She's an age by the you know, and over the course of this this series, that she should be pushing against her mom who ditched her for a year, you know, and and all this craziness is going on, and she's all of a sudden she has all these different aunts. You know, like, <laughs> like she should be <laughs> rebelling a bit and and yelling at her mom and hating her mom. That that that's appropriate. So I thought they they used her her well, and the, the there was enough of her as as damsel that again made sense and motivated the other characters. But then they also made sure that they would like stick her with Cal for a while, <laughs> um, not being a damsel, so we could focus on other things. And again, I thought that they. You know, she's not Kieran Shipka. So few people are. But I thought she she acquitted herself just fine. I thought she looks enough like Ms. Um, Lani that that worked. And it was just nice to, again, have that warm relationship um, between her and Felix, her and Mrs. S, and at times her and her mom and her aunts. But um, but not have it be sickly sweet, not have it be over overly cutesy. Like, the, the rapport felt appropriate. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um Oh, Scott. Scott was great. And he Mm -hmm. got to have a hero moment. Uh, Mm -hmm. So I I think, yeah, they did a good job with the supporting cast of bringing them in. And uh, especially the supporting cast was a lot of guys. And as we were talking about, the fact that none of them possess the toxic aspects that the show is like fighting against um, was very well done. Yeah, definitely. it's It's a very, very white show. Um, (laughs) which is, you know, a little bit of, of a sticking point for me, but it's also, um, about a bunch of clones. Um, so I, I have less of an issue with that than I normally would. It's also a very Canadian show, which I appreciate. I like that it's actively set in Canada. Like they talk about the suburbs in Canada. Like, like I really appreciate uh, the specificity of that. And, um, while I would have liked more, characters of color to be on the show um on the whole once they had introduced they they'd get to a certain point where they weren't going to really introduce more characters other than villains and i wouldn't have wanted them to people the show with only villains of color <laughs> either yeah no i i, I agree i i mean 
I don't think any show is perfect, um, and obviously this one isn't, but I think what it was tackling and how it tackled it, it did in a, a, a way where they were aware of their limitations, but also worked within that framework. Um, so yeah, they could have done with more actors of color, definitely. Um, which is another reason why I was really glad that art didn't die because it would have yeah. felt like a horror movie killing off like the first black guy. Um, would have yeah, it would have left a sour taste, I think, if they'd done that. But I'm glad he made it to the end. <laughs> yeah. Well, I can't have you on the podcast, even though we've already gone long. But I can't have you on the podcast, Emma, and not talk about clothes. Oh, yeah, so do you have any any particular elements that you want to shout out and the costuming and the approach of the show um yeah no a few things um so personal highlight from this season was Kasima in a tux uh and loved it oh so good that a big uh like moment of her being like I'm not gonna put on a dress no I'm gonna rock the tux um and the way they use costume to help, yeah, show who each character was. Um, but then that was also used as their way of clones playing clones. So th- so when Sarah is dressed as Rachel, some stuff like the wig is slightly obviously not as perfect or her um, clothes don't look quite as expensive as Rachel's unless she's actually wearing something from Rachel's closet. Uh, it was a good signifier when they were kind of doing their mess arounds, essentially. Uh and actually, the, mo- well, the thing I wrote about this week was about mostly about Helena and Sarah and the use of black and white with mm-hmm. them and how neither of them are obviously the pure and the bad. Um, but it kind of at times made them look like the yin-yang symbol. So most noticeably in the shower scene when Helena rescues Sarah and she's in that bloody wedding dress mm-hmm. um, and she kind of collapses into her and instead of like killing her they it's an embrace and then that image kind of came back in the finale with her in the hospital gown and sarah in her classic black um in the other birthing scene it was kind of an interesting kind of image yeah i hadn't Uh, thought of that but that's that's wonderful i'll clearly have to go uh hunt down that art because i i you have lots of excellent writing about the costuming on the show, but I have to go seek that one out uh, specifically. And as someone who has cosplayed that uh, Helena wedding dress, that's got to say that is like one of the most striking, memorable, amazing like, moments of the series. Yeah, yeah, no, I'd agree. And because like when we first met her and she's all kind of in the slip when we first see her doing her kind of angel pose. Um there's always like that and we got the, obviously the helena origin story um this season and you do see her obviously getting her, although i don't think your hair would turn that permanently blonde no, from- that's not how <laughs> hair works but you oh. know whatever <laughs> um and the fact yeah so she's got these kind of like schoolgirl when she does when she kills with the clone in the church she's all dressed like a innocent kind of schoolgirl kind of thing um so i always thought the way they used innocence with helena interesting um and the fact that sarah was always in her black leather um until the very final shot and she's in blue which was uh like she's finding that in color into her life well and blue is a very mrs s color too yeah and it matched the kind of there's a, a unit a furniture piece in that front room that's the same color which was interesting that they tied the two together um in that way but yeah no the costuming was always something that I loved about the show and I have a coat that's very much like Cosima's red coat, which is not the same because I can't afford Diane von Furstenberg. Uh, <laughs> How can Cosima? Let's be honest. Her parents live on a fishing boat. <laughs> right? I, 
same with uh, Sarah and her jackets, but I assume that she probably nicked those off someone. Um, yeah. That was a very Sarah thing to steal her leather jacket. Um, and yeah, no, it was, and it was always a pleasure in terms of how they'd introduce a character. So someone like Crystal, who was based on the publicity sketch from Crawl Show, which is my favorite behind the scenes detail. <laughs> uh, and that, yeah, you instantly know that she's all into her beauty stuff, but. I love I love that Crystal was always the one who cracked stuff without realizing it. Well, and she's just the the I think of we're talking about costume. I think of Crystal. I think of a silhouette. I think of a big like fuzzy jacket over like a, a really slinky dress. Yeah, I think of uh, Cosima. I think of her and her dreads like this again. I think of this the look, the silhouette of of her hair with that long coat. I th- like they're they is some of the just the different ways that they really I singled out each of these characters in such a particular way. I think of um Sarah and she's just loose. You know, she's got the 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 bomber jackets or the the leather jackets and the jeans. Like it's a very distinct aesthetic and it it works so well and it fits so well with these different characters. Um but it also, because it's all, all like in a year, it makes sense that Hel- Helena doesn't change her hair that much. It makes Elson going so different with her hair at the end a really distinct choice, which I actually really liked. It makes, um, uh, like, the when they, it gives them each such a distinct feel that, like you were saying, when they're a clone playing a clone, and sometimes a clone playing a clone playing a clone, um, <laughs> It t- the costuming not only speaks to who these characters are, but it speaks to who they think the other person is, yeah. um, what they think their most identifiable traits are, and 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 yeah, it's just it's just so much, so much consideration and care into the crafting of these different characters, not just by the writers, not just by Maslani, but by the costume department, by the makeup, by the hair, all of that. With Helena especially as well, like a lot of her, well, pretty much I would say most of her stuff is hand-me-down wardrobes as well. Like none of her stuff is, because she doesn't really own anything. Like everything she's wearing is something that someone has, that she's either had to borrow or she's been put in. Um, so that very much informs, and because we see her obviously at the nunnery at the start um, of her like life, like she obviously has always been like, without a family and now he does have one uh it's kind of really huge and awesome uh and yeah no the costume like stuff definitely does a lot to signify who each clone is but it's more than just clothes if that makes sense absolutely well it's because it's it's who they choose to be and present themselves as and yeah. in the case of Helena, emphasizing that she hasn't had a choice a yeah. lot of her life. So, yeah. Well, we've gone super long. We should we should wrap it up. I, we could keep gushing about this show, I think, for a long time. But I'm trying to think of a show uh, for my, I guess, for my closing thoughts here. I'm trying to think of a show in recent memory where I've been so able, so easily, readily able to point to significant problems in its structuring and how it's written and how it's made. Just like formally, like, you need to have a villain, <laughs> <laughs> you know um where i didn't care to this like, the way like where i still love the show despite knowing and, and having such a clear sense of no here's all the things they're doing wrong and it's really hurting the show but i just i don't care because i love these characters so much it, it really orphan black the way that they go you know like they could have been a show about a person pretending to be a cop who, yeah. had, who found out who had a secret twin like 
it could have been that. That's what it seems like it's going to be for like a procedural for the whole first season. And then about four episodes in, they they go on this other path and it's so much more interesting. Um, this is a show that I think if people are listening this far and they haven't seen it already, which would be strange. I guess spoilers, guys. <laughs> this is us, guys. Um, <laughs> they will, you know, as soon as you watch the show, you're going to care about these characters. And yeah. if you do then you're 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 in for the whole run it's just a staggering a technical achievement but also emotionally the the world they've created and these these women this the constellation of women this galaxy these galaxies of women and what it, what it means i mean i don't think it's coincidence it's a show about women women's uh ability to control their bodies and to determine their destinies is coming out now that's a conversation people want to have again now i don't think it's a it's a coincidence it's, it's a powerful and emotional and beautifully executed show uh seek it out if you haven't seen it listeners do you have any i don't, well my, my main thought is just, it sounds kind of corny but it is a show that has a lot of heart and like yeah it's the kind of show that isn't always uh, perfect in terms of narrative plotting but the stuff you really care about is these characters and you know the performances these actors are giving really makes it such a special show especially one that has such a strong fan base it's you know it's never like going to be the biggest show but the way the clone club like in like the way the actors interact with the clone club and how important that is like the show means a lot to a lot of people and i think that's a special thing to have it's not just a a, sh- a procedural that people watch every you know whenever because it's the same every week it's something that people have connected to on a deeply personal level yeah especially reading some stories about people coming out to their parents. There's that one at Comic Con, I think it was when this girl stood up and was like, because of Cosima, I could come out to my mom. And she understood, you know, the things she thought about gay people weren't actually like true. And I think that's a legacy that is a good legacy for a show to have. Yeah. Really powerful. Absolutely. Um, yeah. There's the, if you, people if listeners if you're curious there's a bunch of really powerful stories like that um with the writing for Cosima and the way that Cosima has opened up conversations for people with their families and with their friends that they didn't necessarily think that they could have definitely yeah. okay i got to get choked up thinking about the emotions <laughs> of Orphan Black. Let's cut it off there. <laughs> Thank you so much, Emma, for coming back on the podcast. It's occurring to me I did not plug all of your various many awesome things at the top of the segment. Where can listeners find you and your work online? Cool. Well, you can find me on Twitter at Franz Bellina. Um, I still have TV and wardrobe, but I also write a weekly column for The Observer, and I've written for Racked and I've got Collider as well at uh, various places. Uh, my Twitter will tell you everything. Yeah, she's she's super she's super fancy. You were already super fancy the last time you were on Emma, but you're even more <laughs> super fancy. She's kind of a big deal, guys. Uh, uh, <laughs> and it's been very gratifying for me to to, to watch you have all this wonderful success in your writing because it's what very well deserved um so thank you so much emma for coming back on the podcast and thank you everyone for listening we'll be back next week with another episode of the televerse 